Good morning, White Oak, and uh, welcome. My name is Kevin. I'm the campus pastor here at uh, Colerain, and uh, we are in week four, our last week of our series, Light in the Darkness, and uh, I haven't got used to that video yet, but this is our last week for it, so uh, here we go. It, it has been such a powerful series that we've been in. Um, we've gotten so much great feedback from people. One, just saying that they were so thankful that we were willing to dive into some of these topics and just talk about some things that maybe don't get talked about. Um, some other stuff has just been coming out, um, feedback from us or messages back to us about how the messages have, have just helped them when they uh, just hit them right at the right time. I know that last week Nathan was here and he shared a very personal and powerful message about suicide. We had messages about mental illness. We had, uh, you know, anxiety. Uh, this week we tackle chronic illness. And uh, if you're not personally struggling with uh, some type of illness, you probably are connected with somebody that is um, but, uh, but really today as we talk and we share about chronic illness, the things that are real about chronic illness are really things that are real about all the different pain and the struggle that we go through. And so today we just put a title on it, Chronic Illness, and we're actually going to have uh, Kay McKinney's going to be here this morning and she's going to share with us a little bit about her story. She's both a counselor and somebody who struggles with a mental, uh, with a chronic illness, and so we will um, be talking about that. And so, um, you know, we've been talking a lot about these different things, and uh, as we've dived, you know, kind of been diving into them, we realize and recognize how difficult they can be, and I think that that's one of the things that's been really helpful for people, is that we're talking about stuff that you can identify with, or maybe that you know somebody who's going through and so um, I'm a big sports fan, and uh, one of the sports radio shows that I listen to sometimes in the morning is the Dan Patrick Show. Now, Dan has a national radio program and TV show, but he's really famous because in the 90s and early 2000s, he was on ESPN Sports Center. And so kind of as I was growing up as a kid in the 90s, watching college football and basketball and all those things, Dan was on SportsCenter, and uh, you know, that was just one of the things that I gravitated to watching at night. Well, Dan, uh, in his show, will interview famous athletes and famous celebrities, and he'll have hot sports takes on what's going on. But one of his recent episodes that he had on his show, and a segment that he had on one of his shows, was the most talked about and the most viewed that he's had in a really long time. And it wasn't because Dan was interviewing a famous athlete or a famous celebrity, and it wasn't because he had some, you know, over-the-top sports uh, take. It was because Dan decided to hit the pause button and share with his worldwide audience a personal struggle that he had with a chronic illness. Dan went on to explain to everybody that for the last several years, he's been dealing with a joint problem that was causing him severe pain and agony, and that it was really kind of wrecking his life, and that he was in, you know, trying to do his show, but he was miserable. Dan shares that trying to find relief from the pain he was self-medicating and he would, at the end of the day, just isolate himself in his basement and try to drink away the pain, removing himself from his family and his friends and just really hiding. Dan says that he finally decided that he was going to talk to a doctor and try to get some help. Well, he got put on a medication and uh, that medication's side effect was that it was causing Dan to have memory loss. 
And so you can imagine trying to host a nationally televised sports program and Dan would be doing an interview with somebody and he couldn't remember their first name. And so this just wasn't working for him and he was struggling going back and forth. But uh, through working with his doctors, he's finally been put on a low-dose chemo that he feels like might be the answer to what it is that he's specifically dealing with. It has a name, and I'm not going to try to pronounce it, but he talked about it and uh, just talked about it. And so the reason I share this story about uh, a news person that you probably don't know or care about is that all through this... We've been talking about, through this series, we've been talking about this idea that we have got to end the stigma of talking about what it is that we're going through or seeking help for what it is that we're going through or dealing with. And so what Dan did was say that, you know what, forever I was just hiding in my basement trying to take care of this on my own, and I realized that I needed to get help. And one of the things that we're going to recognize today as we kind of deal with this chronic illness topic is that sometimes the the side effects and the medications that we find ourselves on can be worse than, you know, what we were dealing with before. And so there's a frustration level. There's a, you know, this isn't easy, what it is that some of you are going through and dealing with. Maybe you or someone you loved has suffered with a chronic illness or something similar, and you can relate to Dan's story of self-medication or hiding in your basement or just isolating yourself from friends and family as you suffer alone through what it is that you're going through. Chronic illness isn't new. It's something that we have read about in the Bible. It's something that uh, you know, people in, in biblical times were dealing with as well. And so they were, along with us, people that would ask, why is this happening? What's going on? Where is God in the midst of everything that I'm going through and the pain that I'm feeling? Some in biblical times would have believed that this was a generational problem. That because their parents or grandparents had disobeyed God, that the children were being punished for something that their ancestors did. Some believe God was just punishing them specifically. That, that they did something in their life to deserve the pain that they were feeling. Some would ask the age-old question, what is God doing here? Why me? Why am I dealing with this pain? I want to read a passage of scripture to you. It's found in Matthew chapter 9, verse 35. And it's just uh, something that kind of finds itself in the midst of Jesus' journey as he was kind of going through and doing life. In Matthew chapter 9, Matthew records this. It says, Jesus went through the towns and the villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. And I'll tell you that there is some real hope in hearing that Jesus has the power to heal every disease and sickness. But the reality is, is that Jesus didn't come to earth to heal physical diseases and sicknesses. He did that on some occasions with specific individuals, but he didn't do it all the time. And it wasn't his primary focus. The very first things that it said that he did and what he really came to do was proclaim the good news of the kingdom. The good news is that Jesus was coming to provide hope for a broken world 
that went well beyond what we're dealing with right here and right now. It was a hope for heaven. Whatever the, the reason that you felt like that you were sick, some of the people in the Bible would realize that, uh, that it was permanent, that, that they weren't getting away from it. And, and some of the things that it did for people in Bible times, it does for us today. It sets you apart from others. You can feel like that you're alone. Dan went and, and buried himself in his basement because he felt like that he was isolated from everybody else. It can create shame and guilt and anger. There's going to be days that are good for you. There's going to be days that are bad. You're going to spend time in denial. You're going to put a happy face on when you go in front of other people. And and people aren't going to know the pain that hides behind the facade. But it never seems to go away. That's the chronic part of it. And so one of the things that we wanted to do in this series was not just be able to hear from us. I don't deal with a chronic illness. But we wanted to be able to have you be able to hear from some people that are going through things that we're talking about. And so today we've asked Kay McKinney, she's um, a partner with us over at our Ross campus, to come up and share with us about her struggle and what she's going through. Now, Kay is a counselor and somebody who deals with MS, and so I'm going to invite her to come up, and she's going to tell us a little bit about her journey. Hi, Kay. Thanks so much for being here with us today. How are you doing? Doing good. We've made it through this once already, so uh, you feel good? Yes. All right, Not weird at all. Not weird at all. All right. Uh, Well, won't you tell everybody a little bit about yourself, who you are? Sure. Just want to make sure that everybody does know that I do live in Ross now, but I am an original Coleranian, um, class of 95, go Cards. Um, And uh, a couple weeks ago, on August 1st, my husband Steve and I just celebrated our 21st wedding anniversary. Nice. Congratulations. And then... We live to tell the tale. Yeah. Um, our son, Owen, is 14. He just started ninth grade at, at Ross High School. And our daughter, Mia, is 10, and she just started fifth grade, which in Ross is middle school. So we just said goodbye to the elementary, and we're sad yeah. about that. I'm sorry. All right. Um, so tell them a little bit about what you do for your career, too, and your studies and stuff like that. Sure. Um, I went to Cincinnati Bible College and Seminary when it was called that. It's now CCU. But at the time, I went from 95 to 99 for my undergrad. And then I went also from 99 to 2002. I got my master's degree in counseling um, from there. And then I've been working in private practice uh, as a mental health counselor since 2002. So for the past, like, 17, almost 17 years. Yeah. All right. Um, so I told everybody that you have MS. Why don't you tell a little bit about what MS is so people can understand what we're talking about? Definitely. Uh, MS, uh, multiple sclerosis, is an autoimmune disorder in which it affects your central nervous system. So um, doctors think that it's either B cells in your immune system or T cells in your immune system that attack the myelin in your, on your uh, central nervous system where... I was, it was described to me as like thinking of an electrical cord with the plastic around it. That's the myelin sheath around your nerves. And your B cells and T cells attack that and make 
little holes that are called lesions, because of course they had to come up with a really scary term for that. And um, I actually have uh, a couple, ma three, maybe uh, four um, points of lesions on my brain, but most of mine are on my spinal cord. All right. So um, talk to us a little bit about your experience with MS. When were you diagnosed? How did you find out that you had it? Things like that. Sure. It was September 1st, um, 2006, when I was officially diagnosed. But my symptoms first started coming about right after I had my son. Uh, th about three months later, uh, I started noticing some sensory issues where um, both of my hands from my wrist down went completely numb. And I thought, I, I kind of wrote a lot of things off as, I just had a baby, my body's changing and hormonal, and I had never experienced that before. And so my symptoms would come and go um, and stay for about three weeks and then, then leave. So I, I just thought it was something that pregnant women after delivering sometimes could have. So I wrote it off as that until the symptoms started getting more intense and involving like larger body parts, like oh, my full leg, um, that kind of thing. I started going to see um, different physicians and, and which eventually led me to a neurologist, which uh, the, uh, led me to an MRI, which eventually gave me the diagnosis of, of MS. Okay. Um, talk to us a little bit about how this has affected your everyday life. As a mom, as somebody who goes to work, as a wife, you know, what have been some of the realities that you've had to deal with? Sure. I, um, medically, physically, you could draw a line down the center of my body, and I'm kind of like a walking co contradiction. My right side experiences a tremendous amount of nerve pain. Uh, muscle spasms, things like that. And then my left side, it, it experiences more numbness where um, I can lose functioning to be able to hold items, open items, and then the walking at its worst um, where I lose sensation in my entire left leg down to my foot where I have to psychologically look at it lifting and lowering because I can't tell where the floor is because uh, my, my body's not giving me that, that sensory feedback. Okay. Um, so, so that's kind of some of the physical things you have to deal with. Um, what about just mental, like the burden that it is for you or like as you try to do normal everyday things, what has kind of the stress been like? Yeah, I think emotionally, um, I had to learn pretty quickly that, um, emotions have to exist together in a chronic condition that I have, I have, um, you know, through my training as well, but um, the experience of um, when I lost my mother and when she was tw when I was 24, uh, she died of a massive heart attack. And at, since that that time, I had to start learning how to incorporate moving on with like actual life, but still grieving. Um, like uh, Mother's Day is a really good example of that, where um, as becoming a mother, because she never got to meet them, that I experience um, really such great joy with them, but the sadness and grief that comes alongside that, that one uh, particular day, what in, is more uh, heightened that day, I guess I should say, um, yeah. where I, I see emotions as, as an all of the above moment. Um, I see it like in terms of accepting and, and um, giving permission for the, the painful things that happen. And that it doesn't cancel out the, the happiness and joy that I could also feel. That no, no emotion gets top billing when it's chronic. That it's, it's these all of the above moments that have helped me basically stay 
sane through all of it, like, because yeah. a lot of the things I deal with as a, as a counselor is that it never ceases to amaze me how quickly people are ready to vilify their own negative emotions, like anxiety, like all the things we've been talking about, anxiety, sadness, anger. We quickly jump to, well, there's some, something wrong with me if I'm feeling this way. I, I can't live like that because I have this condition in which the emotions show up so frequently because of the pain that I experience almost daily, like I would, I would say about um, at some point in the day I'm experiencing pain on this side and I'm experiencing numbness on this side. I've never really fully gotten back full mobility of my left hand. Yeah. So to, to, to stay in a place of sanity, I have to give permission to that and um, let that breathe. But also, you know, the, the happiness and the joy and the gratefulness also exist in my day. Yeah. Well, I love one of the things, you know, to echo what you're saying. It's this idea that you're giving yourself permission to feel some of the things that you're feeling, some of the frustration, some of the fear, some of the, you know, I mean, doubt, um, that it's okay that you're feeling those things and then you're processing through them. And you're also looking for some of the good that, you know, that exists in the same time. And so I uh, really appreciate you sharing that because I'm sure that our people out there, you know, in the midst of our pain and struggle, everybody has these moments of doubt or these moments of just frustration. And like you said, we feel a great deal of guilt when we feel that way and you're telling them, hey, it's okay. Process through that. Allow yourself to have those feelings, but you know, just continue to work through it. Definitely. Yeah. So one of the things I was sharing when I was sharing the story about Dan Patrick was that at first he got a medication that wasn't really helping him, you know, and you've had that experience too. Don't you share a little bit about your journey of trying to get the help that you need and just kind of the setbacks that it's caused for you? Definitely. When I first got diagnosed in 2006, the only option of medications were injectables, meaning you had to have a shot of some kind. Uh, I chose the subcutaneous, which means it was like a, just right under the skin because there was an option for an intramuscular one, which sounded bad. So, but it meant I had to give myself a shot, or really, my husband had to give me a shot <laughs> three times a week. Um, and then the side effects to that were that you felt like you had the flu, even though you didn't have the flu. You were achy and tired and sweaty. It was really awful. So it was trading you know, this, the progression of the disease for the side effects of the medication. And then uh, eventually I went to an, uh, a pill medication, an oral medication, um, but it also, again, the side effects were just not worth the, um, the benefits. And I don't think that particular one, because they were both T-cell medications, I don't think were impacting my disease the way that this newer medication um, is, is able to do that I've been on since 2017. Yeah. But during some of that, too, uh, in 2009, I did have a pretty significant flare-up after having my daughter, um, and I was given a steroid that I eventually found out um, after that that time uh, causes my liver to fail. So I was given three days of intravenous steroids. It was about 1,000 milligrams total, and uh, a month later, my liver basically started to fail. I had symptoms of um, uh, jaundice and a rash from head to toe. Um, I was working with a a GI doctor that drew my blood every week. And just to give you a picture of um, if you've ever heard of bilirubin, that's the uh, substance that causes, when it's higher in your blood, causes you to jaundice. 
Uh, it's supposed to be about 0.1 to 1.2 in your blood, and at my highest, it was 35. So wow. um, the GI doctor that I was working with said, okay, this is the point where next week, if your numbers don't get better, you're going on a transplant list. So thankfully, God developed the liver as such a regenerative organ. It declined and then recovered with us doing nothing. We just didn't do anything. I didn't take any medications. I just was basically bedridden for six weeks, though. So um, there was that ramification. But fast forward to 2016, when my symptoms were at its worst, where I had to do that looking to walk and um, felt a tremendous amount of pain on that right side. I was excited about starting Rituxan, which is the medicine that I'm on now. It's an infusion form, so it's, um, I have to go to an infusion center. Uh, it's, it's a couple of hours each time I go, two, two weeks apart, and then six months later I do it again, so it's four times a year. Um, so I went to the infusion center, and they have to give you pre-medicines before um, the, the infusion. So it's Tylenol, it's Benadryl, and a steroid. So I was asking the nurse, what's the name of the steroid you're giving me? Because I knew the original one in 2009 that caused my liver to fail was called Solumedrol. And she told me, we're giving you methylprednisolone. So I thought, okay, that sounds very different. I, I think we'll be okay. Uh, little did I know that methylprednisolone is actually Solumedrol. Medicine has... Most medicines have two names, a generic name and a, and a uh, brand name, and I didn't realize that they were the same thing. So it was a medical mistake. My doctor missed it by not taking it off the order. Um, the pharmacist who ordered the medication missed it, and uh, the nurse administering the, the infusion missed it as well. So um, by that point in time, I was in a, in a really down position of thinking like I, where's the target on my head yeah. um, I really like to find it and like wipe it away because I'm, I'm yeah so talk you know we were sharing you know if make sure you caught this you know not once but twice you're given a steroid that causes your liver to fail and so in the midst of some of the different trials that you've had with MS the frustrations where have you seen, you know, what's your relationship with God been like through that whole thing? Just talk to us about that journey and, uh, and kind of maybe even where you are today with it. Yeah, I think um, in the beginning, I never really, I, I didn't feel any anger. I, I wasn't, I'm not the kind of person that immediately goes to the why question. I think it was a combination of my training plus just being um, through life developing this mentality of like if you've got it if you want to get it done you got to do it on your own that was from my upbringing of my my uh my dad definitely had a untreated uh, mental personality disorder it's a pretty severe one and my mom was doing everything else to kind of compensate for that so for the most part my sister and i had to, to develop this um if it's going to get done you got to do it on your own kind of mentality so i think that already set it up for you know, being able to, um, you know, not think about God as, as needing to, needing to do something. Um, but I, I definitely have, um, thinking about God in terms of healing. Obviously there's, there's no way you can get around talking about illness and God and not think like, well, why isn't he healing you? Um, but I, I like to think about it in, in sections of time and thinking about God in the Old Testament had to engage with people directly and individually 
um, because he was establishing who he was with the world. And Christ, not very different than that, was dealing with people individually and specifically and, and you know, thinking about rereading all the stories of healing and how he would, he would come into pe- a person's space and say, what would you like for me to do for you? And I just, I, I find that such a brilliant thing because he, he wanted that person to be a part of the conversation. He wanted their voice to be a part of the conversation. He wanted it to be about their relationship and the connection. You know, it, it was beyond just the physical healing. It was this, you know, now, um, you know, thinking about how connected that person would be to him. Uh, so thinking about like now we're, you know, Christ is not uh, here with us, but the Holy Spirit is here with us, and there's less uh, clarity to how, you know, that kind of direct healing, at least I hadn't read much or found much in the Bible about that. So, like, thinking about, um, you know, not wanting to box God into thinking, like, if I'm praying for healing, I, I trust in His will. I trust that He knows what I mean by that, that I mean take away the disease, but also that I don't limit him to, uh, you know, me understanding what's happening to me as healing unless he takes away the disease <laughs> like yeah. that. I don't, I don't expect that, uh, but have really experienced healing in other ways in terms of uh, being able to uh, directly tell people what I need from them, which is not, not normal for me to do. <laughs> so reaching out to other people for help, actually letting them love me, and feeling the, the peace and the comfort that comes from that has been very healing, not just in a spiritual and emotional way, but, but bodily too. I feel very comforted by that. Um, so that, yeah. that, that self-care <clears throat> is also huge. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm the helper. I'm the counselor. So yeah. I you know, put other people first. And, and uh, to be able to put myself you know, on that list as well has been really, really healing. Well, I love to hear that, you know, some of the lessons that you've learned just in, like you said, your upbringing and everything else, but now you find yourself in a place where you're learning how to ask for help or receive community because of this. I know that um, that's just got to be a difficult process to go through, but, you know, even even just your mindset, you know, if you, if you were listening to what she says, this idea that, sure, she would love to have healing of MS Absolutely. here. Absolutely. You know Don't I mean? get me wrong. Yes. Yeah, you know what I mean? She wants We can all that. pray for you that. I mean? We can all pray for that. But the reality is that she understands it may not come here uh, in, on earth, but you're seeing the things that God is doing even in the midst of that. Is that right? Absolutely. And, and you know, thinking of what I was holding God responsible for, like that he the one thing that he cares about most is that connection and relationship and, and that coming back to him. And, you know, what he did on the cross established the pathway back to him. Like what he had to do for me in terms of salvation, he did, yeah. but I'm not promised anything else. Yeah. Oh, that, and that's just such a beautiful perspective. I thank you for sharing that because I think that you may not be there, you know what I mean? You may not be to that point where you can have that perspective, but it's a journey, right? This has, and I've had 13 years one. to yeah. establish that. Yeah. Well, I want to thank Kay for coming up and sharing with us. Thank you so much for your time and being here today. <clears throat> you know, uh, I just loved 
having Kay up here to be able to hear her story and, and hear her share because uh, just for you to be able to hear it first person, but her perspective really leads into where we want to go next. I want to read this passage of scripture for you one more time. It was Matthew chapter 9 verse 35. And it just is a snapshot of kind of Jesus' everyday life. But it says, Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. And uh, one of the things I just wanted us to see is that Jesus' primary goal was to proclaim this good news about who he is and why he was coming and what he was going to do. And, and, and yes, there were people that were being healed along the way. But those healings were to demonstrate that he was able to do something that was even greater. That he was able to do something that was bigger than just the physical healing. Jesus' priority was to allow people to know that he had come so that they might have life. That they might have hope beyond this world. One of the things that Jesus wanted us to see and one of the things that was being proclaimed there is God is close by. God is not far off. He is with us. And so many times in the midst of our pain and in the midst of our struggle, we feel like that God has abandoned us. And one of the things that Jesus wanted us to to know without a shadow of a doubt is that he is here. So much so that he was willing to send his son to this earth so that we might have life. Not healing from disease and not healing from our sickness that, uh, that we f- experience physically. But to heal us from our spiritual sickness that would allow us to have heaven. It was proof of a spirituality w- which means that our deepest longing, our deepest need is salvation. And that is exactly what Jesus brings. In John chapter 1, verses 1 through 5, John begins his gospel this way. It says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. Now listen to this. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. This passage has really been the catalyst for this series for us, for us to really try to dive in and understand this. We're going to throw this last part up on the screen one last time for you. It says, the light shines in the darkness. The light is Jesus. And it says, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. And the darkness is whatever you're dealing with. Whatever your mental illness, your physical illness, your stress, your pain, whatever that is, it is darkness that is holding us down. And it says Jesus comes as a light and his light is going to shine through that darkness and the darkness will not overcome it. Jesus shines bright through our darkest night. In the midst of our pain, in the midst of our hurt, know that Jesus is here for you. So many times we feel like that God has forgotten us and God has left us. We want you to know that in the midst of your struggle and in the midst of your suffering, that you could be reminded that God is near. That God is near to those who are broken. If you're going to be helping with communion and serving today, we ask that you go ahead and go back to the back so that you can be ready for that. There's a hard truth that we have to deal with and that we have to face. We may not 
experience a cure for what it is that we are dealing with here on earth, for our disease or for our sickness. We may not receive relief from our pain here on earth. Darren shared a line from a song. Last week I was at Ross and uh, Kay was up singing and Darren just, he shared this song line from a song that we sang. It said, Earth has no sorrow that heaven can't heal. Let me just ask you, do you believe that? Do you believe that whatever sorrow and pain that you're facing here on earth, that heaven is the cure for? That, that heaven is the hope for? The hard truth is that some of the things that we're dealing with, some of the things that we're struggling with, some of the loss that we experience here, we're not going to find relief from it here on earth. We're not going to find hope for it here on earth. But there is a promise that goes beyond here. There is a promise that goes beyond this broken world, and that is a promise of heaven. Jesus comes to heal and make us whole. We may not fully experience it here on earth, but we have a promise that extends beyond this world. The hope that Jesus offers today is peace and joy. And sometimes in the midst of our pain, all we can see is brokenness. But God wants us to fix our eyes on what is good and what it is that he's doing in the midst of our pain. If you've never experienced or accepted Jesus as your Savior, and we would love to have a conversation with you about what it looks like to have a relationship with Jesus, to have a hope that can bridge beyond the pain of this world. You can mark your connection card and let us know that way. You can come and talk to me. You can come down and pray with one of our prayer partners this morning at the end of service. We would love to have a conversation with you about what this hope in Jesus looks like. In the midst of this series of pain and brokenness, we want you to know that Jesus offers life and hope. And there's a way that you can experience that by being in a relationship with Jesus. God is close to the brokenhearted. In the midst of your pain or whatever it is that you're going through, in the midst of MS and in the midst of these other things, Jesus brings hope. Would you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for today. Thank you so much for Kay's story and her courage to be able to share her struggle, God. I thank you so much for her perspective that says that she is willing to understand that healing may not come here, but there is a hope that is beyond here, God. And I'm just so thankful for your son, Jesus, who is willing to take this from us and be able to offer us life. Thank you so much for your son, Jesus. It's in his name that we pray. Amen.